everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by Kids Pastor Emily Nevis. Have you ever felt like you're just in the dark? Have you ever felt like it's just dark, right? Just darkness. Maybe you feel alone, scared, or you don't know what the next path is, and you're just stuck in this place of darkness. Maybe you have felt isolated, especially this last year. Have you ever felt like things are just dark? And then God said, let there be light. And his clicker worked. (laughs) Let there be light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. God spoke it. It came into being. He came so that we don't have to live in darkness, so that there might be light. And you're wondering, what does this have to do with Leviticus? So let me show you. Leviticus 24, and it will spring us into our main text for the day. Leviticus 24, verses 1 to 4. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Moses, command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. Outside the veil of the testimony, in the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. Going off this theme of light, what God set up, what he set into place was that there be a lampstand and that there be lamps on it. Now the lamps at that time were clay pots and they had a wick inside of it and you used oil to create the fire. And so those little lamps that would have set on the lampstand had to be refilled regularly. So what he's saying to Aaron is, look, you're responsible to make sure that there's always oil in those lamps so that that light doesn't go off. And so Aaron, uh, like a good leader, delegated, and he had helpers who would stay up all night and make sure the light never went off. That's where God set up a plan and a purpose for us to always remember the importance of light. And this goes back even to the time when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt and God brought them out and he led them with a pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. And so it was for them to remember, don't forget this. Don't forget what I did for you. I am the light. I bring you light. You don't have to live in darkness. And so this lampstand that burned all the time was to remind them that God always lights up their darkness. You don't have to live in a dark place. He is the light. So from this place, let's spring forward. We're going to go into the book of John. 
chapter 9, and I want to give you a little background before we read the actual text. What's going on here is that Jesus has come to Jerusalem. He has come for a special festival, the Feast of Booths. And actually, if you go back to Leviticus 24, the Feast of Booths is described right above that passage about the lamps. So if you want some more information on the Feast of Booths, you can do that in Leviticus. Basically, it was a time that they came to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember how they lived in these tents coming out of Egypt. When they lived in the wilderness, they would set up these booths and live in them. And so God just wanted them to celebrate and remember, I saved you from Egypt. And so Jesus came to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And while he's there, leave it to Jesus, to get into this pickle with the Pharisees, Jesus actually sparks controversy. He kind of seems to love conflict, and he gets in their faces kind of and is like, no, 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 this is the way it is. The Pharisees were very confused about the law, and Jesus would come and say, nope, this is not the way it is. This is the way it is. And so the Pharisees were very upset with Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. Like, why can't you wait till Monday, Jesus, right? No, he healed on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees had decided the Sabbath day is when you do no work, which is true, but they determined that no work meant don't do anything, nothing. And so to heal was work, and how can you do that on the holy day, right? You can't be God. You're breaking the law, all right? So Jesus is saying, you have the law wrong. It's okay to heal on the Sabbath, right? And so here we find ourselves with Jesus in this controversy with the Pharisees. Um, and in the midst of this controversy, Jesus goes out and passes by a man who is blind. And that's where we pick up. We're going to see what Jesus does with this man whom he passes. And he's walking with his disciples. It's possible that the Pharisees are also with him. I imagine that they're probably tagging along. They're always trying to find something wrong with him and accuse him of things. So probably they're there. We don't know that for sure, but that's my, my guess. So here we go, chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, this is awesome, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Okay, so clearly the disciples did not take Amos and Allison's empathy training because that was not empathetic. I imagine the blind man is sitting right there and listening to these disciples. Who sinned, this man or his parents? And I will explain why they said that. I'm actually very sympathetic to the disciples. I know I'm like them. Um, and they do have a reason for saying that, and I'll get to that in a second. But let's finish reading first. So Jesus answered them, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud 
and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I'll give you some more context here. If you go back to chapter 8, when we read our Bibles, I will just say, I think it's super important to not just pull something out of the Bible, but to then go backward and forward and see what's going on in the entire picture. So back in chapter 8, it says that Jesus spoke to them saying, and he's talking to the Pharisees and his disciples. Back in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. So Jesus has already set this up. He has already said, I am the light of the world, and now he is demonstrating this idea. He's going to use this healing of the blind man to explain to them and to show them, I am the light of the world. And then after this healing, the Pharisees are going to come. They're so upset. And he's going to tell them the parable of the sheep and the gate, where he's going to say, look, you're the blind guides, and I am the light of the world. So he's using multiple illustrations here. We're just going to focus on this part, the healing of the blind man. So what we're going to do is we're going to take it apart, go through it slowly, and at each place, I'm going to pull out an application for you for life. And so in the beginning, I want to focus here on the disciples. I just love them. They're so funny. Instead of saying like, oh, that must be really hard to be here as a beggar, and I'm sorry that that you're going through this, and um, how does that make you feel? No, instead they say, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he is blind and that he is begging. And we know that he was blind from birth, so nothing happened um, of, of his accord to make him blind. He just was, right? Um, he is innocent. Uh, anyway, so Jesus says to them, look, it's not that he sinned. So why did the disciples think this? It goes back to Moses, the time of Moses, and the law that was given to Moses. And the disciples would have known this. They would have been taught what was called the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. They would have been taught, they would have known this from Exodus. You don't have to turn with me. I'll just um, go there for you. It was from the book of Exodus. In our Bibles, it's chapter 34. Verses 5 to 7. So here's what the disciples had in their minds. The Lord descended in the cloud, stood with Moses there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So what they did was kind of misconstrue this verse. So it clearly said God is gracious and he's loving, but when he needs to punish, he will do it from generation to generation if that's what it takes, all right? So they had this in their mind that, oh, God punishes children and children's children, and th there's this generational sin, which is true. 
I'm not denying that at all. But they applied that to everyone. So if there was ever any punishment, which they determined blindness to be a punishment, they assumed that was a punishment because of sin. And they applied that across the board. So it's not that the disciples, well, I don't think they were empathetic, but I understand what they were thinking because that was the common knowledge of the day, that if you have blindness or um, any other type of disability, it was because of sin that this happened. So what Jesus is saying is, no, no, no. It doesn't have anything to do with sin, right? Now, something that is tough to wrestle with is his actual answer has to do with the purpose. The reason this man is born blind is so that God can be glorified in his life. That's a little tough to sit with. If you struggle with that, come talk to me. I have some more verses and some more background to this, um, but that's a completely other sermon and you do not want to be here for an hour listening to me. So what I want to point out this morning, you'll see it up on the screen, is that Jesus' light reaches into the disciples' minds. He takes a preconceived idea and brings light to their minds, right? And Jesus can do this for us today. Have you ever thought that you knew everything? I do. I always think I'm right. You can ask Frank. Um, and there have been many times that I have had to sit down, I have opened my Bible and realized, oh my goodness, I am wrong. What I thought was not right. So I'll give you an example. We're struggling with something with our son, uh, and I can't share all the details. Usually I'm like an open book, and I will share anything, but this one is way too personal and does not need to be shared. Um, but we're just dealing with something really difficult. He's getting older. It's getting harder. Um, and it's actually it's so, it's so difficult what he's going through and what we're going through with him. And I thought I knew the root of what is happening to him and what's going on. And that root being, it's because I didn't spank him when, I, when he was three. I didn't discipline him well enough, and I need to be harder on him. We really, we need to punish this child, right? And this is the root. Um, but I didn't do anything. I just, Frank and I both said, we're just going to pray because we don't know how to fix this. And we don't know what the root of it is. Um, and if we just take our assumptions, right? Like in my mind, I think I know the problem. I need to punish this child. Um, but that might not be right. Maybe Jesus wants to bring light to my mind, right? So we pray about it, sit with it, read my Bible, try to figure out, God, what is the root of this? And then this is amazing. I'm out with Janice, love her, and we go to the juniper tree store um, to get some juice. Great. And while we're there, this is totally God. I run into a friend who I haven't seen since pre-COVID, and she's very filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, this girl can pray and just get a word from God. And I haven't seen her for so long. And no joke, the first thing she says to me is not, hi, I really missed you. It's, how is Zachary? And I'm like, what? How's Zachary? And I haven't been telling anyone what's going on or trying really hard not to. And so I was like, I guess I have to tell her. So I tell her the problem and what's going on. And she says, I, I saw her pray for a second, right? Like she's praying. And she says, Emily, I think it's about his identity. I think his identity is being attacked. 
he's maybe not sure who he is and he's struggling with the dark and the light inside of him and he needs to know who he is in Jesus, right? And so identity, and I'm like, she's right. This year has been so hard for this kid, so hard. In school, he struggled so much and there's been so much negativity poured over him verbally, right? So much verbal negativity, I'm at fault myself. And I realized, oh my goodness, all the negative words are coming into his identity and we have to flip it. We have to start speaking truth over this kid, that he is a child of God, that he is good, that he is worthy, that he is a treasure, that he is gifted and talented and smart and all of these positive things. And we've started doing that. This was just this week. And I'm telling you, turn around, right? If Jesus didn't light up my mind, I could have done some serious damage. If I assumed the problem was what I thought it was, I could have done some serious damage. And so what I'm trying to say is there are times in our lives that we are not always right in our thinking and that Jesus, as he did in this case with the disciples, can say, hey, let me light up your mind. Let me show you what's actually true and not what you think. Moving on, going from this question the disciples had, Jesus then turns to this man born blind. And I can't imagine being in his shoes. I can't imagine being born blind. If you keep reading this passage, and I encourage you to do that, you'll see his parents come into the picture. Um, so clearly, he had family around, but he's begging. He's not at home being cared for by his parents. He's out begging. And I can't imagine probably he felt so alone, so lost, and so alone to be sitting there asking for money, knowing that your family is there, but they're not actually with you, and just that loneliness and that hurt and that pain. And so what does Jesus do? Well, he comes and he makes some mud. There's so many theories about why does Jesus do mud, and I've asked that question, and maybe you're asking this question, what? What is the deal with the mud? And that's kind of gross, right? Um, part of it might be that at that time, they did use salves for healing. So they would make the salve, wipe it on whatever ailment, and then you would go wash it off in a pool. So that was common at that time. Could also be um, the fact that he used the earth and the dirt, just a reminder that I made you. From dirt you came, I made you. I'm in control of everything about you right? Yes, I made you blind, um, but I can fix that. Um, I'm in control of everything, so that could be part of it. Um, and there are probably other theories and involved in all of that. But regardless, he uses mud. Another thought I have is that he just wanted more time with this blind man. He just wanted more time, and he wanted to touch him, physically touch him um, to do what he was about to do. So he heals the blind man regardless, puts the mud on his eyes, has him go to the pool, wash it off, and the man sees again. And so we see this blind man, his eyes were open. The disciples' minds were opened, and light was brought to their minds. And for this man, actual light was brought to him physically. He was able to see again. This man was physically in darkness. Can you imagine being blind? And it just always being dark. Physically, he was in darkness, and then light came to him. They use blindness also as a metaphor for spiritual darkness, 
And so we're going to take it there for us this morning. Is there a place in your life where you're feeling some darkness? Maybe you have some secrets that are hidden in the dark. And they're causing you some guilt and some shame and affecting your relationship with Jesus. Some secrets. Maybe you have some judgments that are keeping you in the dark as well. And this morning, I believe Jesus just wants to bring light to that. He doesn't want you to live in spiritual darkness. He doesn't want you to have to keep secrets. He doesn't want you to live in this dark place of shame or guilt, but he wants to bring light to your life. I remember some years ago, I was struggling in my marriage. We've all been there. And I won't tell you any specifics, but it was just a really hard time. And I didn't tell a single soul for two years. I held this inside. It had to do with some guilt and some shame. I didn't want to share. Um, And then I was at a Bible study, and the woman who was speaking shared a story, exactly what I had done, exactly the story of what was going on with me. And I thought I was alone. I thought no one had ever done this. No one had ever experienced this marriage problem. And I was never going to share it until she said it. And I ran up to her, bawling my eyes out. The same thing is happening to me. And I don't know what to do. And she walked me through everything. And what happened was there was something that I was keeping hidden from Frank. And I had to share it. And I'm telling you, it was the hardest thing I ever did in my entire life. I will never forget the day um, that I shared it. And he just grabbed me, picked me up, and said, I forgive you. I will always forgive you, right? And we'll get through this. And Frank was so gracious. But if I never shared that, I would still be standing here with this pile of guilt in my stomach and this darkness between God and I because I was keeping a secret that needed to be shared, needed to be brought into the light. And when you bring things into the light, there is healing and there is grace. And that's what I believe Jesus would want to say to you today. If you are living in a dark place because you have a secret or some guilt and shame, let Jesus light up your life. Let him bring light into those dark places inside of you. Share it, tell it, and let Jesus come and bring this flood of light. Further on in this chapter, I want to fast forward us through Jesus has another interaction with the blind man. So the blind man does do what Jesus says. He goes to the pool and he washes and he gains his sight. And then he has some interaction with the Pharisees. They're really upset about this. And they ask the blind man, what, who healed you? And are you really healed? And la, la, la. And they go through all this thing. And then Jesus, oh, they get really mad at the blind man. They kick him out of the temple. They tell him, you can't come to synagogue anymore. You can't be part of the temple. They throw him out. So Jesus comes back to the blind man to work through this part of it. Um, So fast forward, chapter 9, looking at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, the blind man. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. 
So not only does this blind man receive physical sight, he receives spiritual life and light. This man comes to believe in Jesus, and therefore, because of his belief in Jesus, he will have life forever with Jesus. So not only does he gain physical light for his blindness, but also spiritual light. He comes to know, to trust, and to believe in Jesus, the Messiah, who saves him, not just from his blindness, but from his sin, allowing him to know that he knows that he knows that one day he will be with Jesus forever in a place of total light. Speaking of total light, my son Zachary, again, he gave me permission to share this. Um, we, we do a lot of what's called imaginative prayer. We do it in the kids' wing a lot. And it's where you close your eyes and you have the kids try to picture Jesus. Um, maybe picture Jesus meeting you in a garden or uh, we go through some stories, imagine Jesus and you are lost and he comes to find you. We do a lot of these prayers. Um, and Zachary has never seen anything doesn't get pictures in his mind. He doesn't see anything. And he gets so frustrated. Mom, I don't see anything. I don't feel Jesus. I don't see him for so long. This poor kid has just been seeing nothing, feeling nothing. Until one day, this was just recently, we were praying up in his bed and I was leading him through one of these prayers. And all of a sudden, he like jumps. His eyes pop open. I saw him. Mom, finally, right? And I, I see the tears welling up. And I said, well, what, what did you see? What, what does he look like? And he's like, it's just light. It's light and it's warm. And I feel happy, right? He just saw light. And I thought, oh my goodness. Yes, that's exactly who Jesus is, right? You can do a study on light in this Bible and it'll probably take you 10 years. There's so much about light. He is light. He does bring peace. He does bring warmth. He came to set us free from all of the darkness inside of us, to warm us up, to bring us light. The same way he did for the blind man, he does for us today. So this morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and I just want us to take a moment to close our eyes and to just reflect on this, respond to Jesus. I do believe there's some things that he wants to do this morning inside of our hearts. So just close your eyes with me for a moment. Just invite you into a time to respond. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, come and bring light. Bring your light. Father, for those feeling lonely, bring light. For those feeling lost, bring light. For those feeling grief, Jesus, bring your light. For those feeling hurt, Jesus, bring your light. Just take a moment to be silent. And I'm just going to ask Jesus to show you in some way what needs light right now. Is it your mind? Is it your heart? Is it your eyes? So Jesus, would you show us what needs light right now?
And Jesus, bring light to those who are struggling in their minds. God, bring light. Show them truth. And right now, take away every lie that is causing the darkness. I speak truth to everyone in this room, truth over their identity. If they think that they are not good enough, bring light, Jesus. You are good enough. You are smart and special and talented, and God has a purpose and a plan, and he will see it through. God, if there are people that feel like they're in the dark and they don't know which way to go right now, light the path for them, Jesus. Show them which way to go. And for those who are holding secrets and living in a dark place, would you bring light and courage to step out and tell someone? And God, as we worship, would you bring light As we worship, as we praise you, as we sing, bring light. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.